and welcome to the Disenfranchised Podcast, where that podcast all about those franchises of one, those films that fancy themselves full-fledged franchises before falling flat on their face after the first film. I am your host, Stephen Foxworthy, and joining me tonight, the guy with the dragon tattoo himself, it is Tucker. Hey, Tucker. Hi, Stephen. How are we doing tonight, man? I'm doing, I'm doing pretty okay. Pretty, pretty good, pretty good, pretty good. Pretty good. Pretty good for talking about the movie we are talking about. Unfortunately, uh, Brett has found himself in the crosshairs of an international assassin and is uh, lying low for a little bit, but uh, he should be returning sooner than you might expect. Um, wink. Um, Tucker, we are gathered here tonight on the on the night that John Wick four, John Wick Chapter four opens uh, in the United States to talk about a movie. Um, that uh, that that we definitely watched this week. And uh, what movie are we talking about, Tucker? Well, you know, I was going to ask you about that. Is that why we're watching this? Because you always have like a little scheme as to why like we're watching each movie, and I didn't know what the scheme was, like the gimmick to this one. I mean, if you go, Hitman, by the way, 2007's Hitman, Hitman, <laughs> um, which is directed by uh, Xavier Gens. Yeah, Gens. I'm not sure. Written by Skip Woods. And starring uh, Timothy Oliphant, Dogre Scott, Robert Nepper, Olga Kurilenko, Ulrich Thompson, Henry Ian Cusick, and many others. What a cast. Tucker, what a picture. What a cast and a picture. Just a picture. Yeah, it's, you, uh, is, it's definitely something, all right. This is one, like, that... I wish it had come out a lot earlier because I think it would have done really well on cable because like if this were on and like I switched to it during an action scene, I might, I might watch it because I have no idea what happened in this movie, but like, right. It, it, it it keeps going and there's a lot of fun stuff to see. So I'd probably watch it like on a Sunday afternoon with my dad. Just say, yeah, it's, it's that kind of movie. Like if you just see it on, on a Sunday and you just put it on just so you can, see some stuff blow up and, and see a lady be kind of sexy. Although if it's on cable, you're not going to see her take her top off. Like she does a couple times in this movie. Oh, um, you mean one of the several times where she sexually assaults the main character? <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. She's all about <laughs> yeah, that. That dude. is wild. Um, like the whole but, time he's like, no. And she's like, but what if yes? Right. Like the entire time. And at one time he like hits her with a hypo to the neck and like knocks her out because she, she's literally raping him. She is not taking no for an answer. And and friends of the podcast, if you're listening to this right now, we consider you a friend. Um, unless you're a Nazi and then fuck off. Um, but but if you're listening to this, we consider you a friend of the show. Uh no means no. And that is the official stance of the no. disenfranchised podcast. Just when someone says no, respect their no. It seems so simple, right? But some people don't get it. Like the gal in this movie, she just doesn't get it. Right. And we just we just want to go on record and say, I know, a wild take, right? But no means no. Regardless of <laughs> right. regardless of who you are, where you are, no means no. Sometimes it takes uh, some people a little longer to realize that than others. But as long as you get there, that is the important thing. And stop when someone says no. That is all there. Don't try to talk them into it. Don't try to coerce them into it. Just leave it there. So, That's the official stance of this podcast. Correct. And it uh, always has been and always will be. Um, yeah. So we're talking about the 2007 movie Hitman because John Wick chapter four is coming out uh, on Friday, which is tomorrow as of the release of this episode. 
And Tucker, I'm just going to address the elephant in the room because it's the same elephant that you uh, brought up in the uh, disenfranchised group text thread, uh, which is, hey, why are we covering Hitman? Didn't this movie get a sequel? Uh, to which I told you, ah, ah, ah. Hitman did not get a sequel. Hitman got a reboot. Interestingly enough, though, written by the same person. Wild. Both films, same writer. So probably has just as little to do with the video game as this film does. Well, actually, the the remake, reboot, whatever, the other one that's not this one, right? Uh, actually follows at least the origins of the video game because uh, I, I looked it up a little bit and it seems like uh, he's a clone mm. in in the newer one. Okay. Whereas in this one, it's kind of like the Spartan project from Halo, where they just take like orphans and turn them into killers instead okay. of like in the actual game uh, and in the newer movie where it's a new clone each time. And he's the 47th clone, having learned all of the skills from the other clones. OK, interesting. Yeah, yeah I'm I am not uh, entirely sure what this film was about. Uh, what happened in this movie? Um, I, I legitimately have no clue what happened in this movie. And uh, I did learn a little bit about the video game. Uh, so I'll just put this out here now. Um, there is uh, coming, dropping on the Patreon tomorrow as of the release of this episode. Uh, there is going to be an episode of Oops All Video Game Corner where our good friend Brett Wright is back and, and uh, teaching Tucker and I all about the Hitman video game franchise, a franchise we know very little about. That's true. Uh, and before we move too far away from John Wick, uh, may mm. I say RIP Lance Reddick? Yes, let's please let's please address Lance Reddick. Uh, gosh, an absolute just absolute banger of a performer. Um and seemingly down to be completely ridiculous. Did you, I, I saw recently saw the Eric Andre show clip uh, of him, and it's just masterful. Like just you, so absurd and wonderful. If you want to really get a good idea of his comedic chops, he did a show on Comedy Central that lasted three seasons. That is extremely underrated. I think it's because it's kind of a darker tone mm. called Corporate. It's kind of mm. like uh, a show kind of like The Office or Workaholics, but like with a super cynical tone, but like okay. hilariously so. Like if you're into like really cynical, like kind of dark comedy, mm -hmm. definitely recommend it. Uh, the guys that were responsible for that show recently did um, the show on Hulu that came out last year. Um uh, I don't remember what it was called, but it had something to do with the fool. Uh, okay. <laughs> it's called what's up fool or something like that. Okay. And it was really good, but yeah, check out corporate for sure. Okay. There were three seasons. It's really funny. Lance Reddick plays the CEO of an Amazon like company and okay. he is hilariously evil. Right on. Love that. Um, and I mean, my first exposure to Lance Reddick was HBO's The Wire, which remains one of my favorite television yeah. shows. <laughs> He's and amazing he at that. Too, so yeah. fucking good in that show. Uh, I did catch part of the first season of Fringe, which is where I know a lot of people probably engage with him. I think he was also on Lost for a spell as well, a show that I watched religiously while it was in first run and a show that I will probably never watch again. Um, <laughs> why would you <laughs> I, I know how it ends it's like half the yeah. show is like how's it gonna end and that's the reason most people stuck around and now that I know how it ends I 
don't really see a reason to revisit it. But also, um, also a prolific uh, video game voice actor. Yes. In fact, I saw a video online today of him playing Destiny 2, which is a game that he he voices a main character in right. playing it the day before he died. Like oh, so apparently man. he was just like fit as a fiddle and then you know that shit happens you just be yeah. chilling and then all of a sudden boop yeah. yeah I um I I I know how quickly stuff like that can happen um both from myself and extended family like it it can be you know things like that can happen at the drop of a hat and yeah. life life is just crazy and random and shitty but um he will be in John Wick chapter 4 which drops tomorrow and I am um, I, I'm looking forward to, to watching that, honestly, just to kind of uh, engage with one of what will probably be one of his final performances. Um, so, uh, yeah, R.I.P. Lance Reddick, a favorite of the Disenfranchised podcast, to be sure. I think all three of us really, sure. really enjoy yeah. him. So, yeah. Yarp. Well, so anyway, Hitman. Yeah, I guess we should probably talk about this movie, right? Or Hitman. As it's pronounced uh, somewhere, some, I'm sure. In, in some parts of the world, yes. Hitman. Uh, 2007's Hitman. Um, a movie clearly inspired by the Bourne franchise. I think that's very obvious. It's so um, of its time. Like, just the way much. it's shot and the way it's edited. It's very, like, mid-2000s. Like, it fits the mold of when it came out. Like, it may have been, like, the last gasp of that style of action movie, honestly. For sure. And we, I mean, we'll be covering another entry in the Bourne franchise later uh, this year on the podcast, uh, probably around the time Mission, Im the new Mission Impossible drops. Um, but like that franchise, w there are, there are kind of big moves within different franchises that Hollywood, again, Hollywood is, and this is something we talk about a lot on this podcast, just kind of following the next big trend or the next big wave. Whatever's popular, we're going to just do that over again. And the re, the, 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 the revisions, the reduxes, the, the, the blatant thievery never really works out as well as anyone's hoping. There's something very fresh about it happening the first time. And anytime it's tried, Hollywood tries to replicate it, it just doesn't work. Of course, this movie comes out Later, the same year that the last of the original Born trilogy drops, Born Ultimatum. Uh, and so by that point, you've already had the same thing three times, and you're just kind of like, well, then why the hell am I watching this? It, it feels like it has more in common with the Born movies than it does with the video game namesake, honestly. Yeah, you even have like a, a, a gal with a pixie cut and like a weird colored stripe in her hair mm -hmm. just like a homegirl from that firstborn movie that they just unceremoniously kill off in the second one i like her too she was in uh she was in run lola run dude that's where i know her from yeah and she was uh, in that I... born movie and they just kill her off man she's my favorite thing about that first one uh franca patente yeah um yeah, dude. they that is maybe one of my least favorite tropes when you have a character that like survives the previous film and they just kind of unceremoniously kill them off in like the opening scenes of the second film. And I, I understand why you do things like that. Like in alien three, it's because, or yeah, alien three, it's because uh, the little girl had grown up and I don't think they wanted to 
tell a story with with Michael Bean in it. So we'll just butcher the entire story because of that. Like, Correct. Fuck yeah. That. Exactly. No, down. I completely agree. It's it's fucked up. Uh, like and that whole Aliens is all about saving that girl. That's the whole that, point of the, the whole, whole movie. movie. Agreed. Agreed. And, and it then completely. Just like, oh yeah, she died in space. BT dubs. Anyway, moving on. Right. It's yeah. Like, Fuck you. Get out of here. Shit happens. I guess. Fuck I you, guess. James Cameron, in the last movie that everyone Woof. fucking loves. Woof. Like there, there are two straight up legitimate masterpieces in that franchise, and then everything that comes after it just feels like a whiff. Um, yeah. One of these days, we will probably cover Alien Covenant on uh, unenfranchised behind the paywall, but. Yeah, oof, that franchise, big damn oof. Um, it's too bad. You get uh, Halloween uh, Resurrection. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis dies off in the first scene because, um, like, she like didn't want to do another one, but was contractually obligated to. So they're just like, fine, we'll kill you off in the first scene. She's like, all right, that'll work. <laughs> and so that's that's what uh, they kill Laurie Strode off in that movie. Um, and I, I think uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Two is one of the first examples of that that I know of. Uh, where you get the final yeah. girl from the previous movie literally getting killed off in the cold open of that movie. And it just. And they kill Amy Smart. And it's just really sad because yeah. I think she was great in the original. And she, for the small amount of time she was in the second one, she was really good too. The yeah. poster, well, the Turkish poster that I used to have for Friday the 13th, part two, just it's an image of her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like you put her on the poster, man. And she dies like. Well, I mean, let's be honest. Those those Turkish posters really don't have anything to do with the movie. It, which is kind of why they're and they're amazing. I agree. That one, honestly, I agree. They are incredible. I love great. (laughs) I love the Turkish movie poster art. Like, so every now and again, it'll pop up on Twitter, and I'm like, "Fuck yes, all of this." And it, it always feels like they're they're hand painted and hand drawn on like the side of a building, which I really love. Um, like it just, it feels like street art. And I think that's really fucking great, mm-hmm. but no, I absolutely hate that trope. It is one of my least favorite tropes. Um, and so, you know, knowing they do that in the Bourne movie, that's just, again, why the fuck are we doing this? Like you, there are other ways to write off a character if the actor doesn't want to return, or if you want to go a different direction, there are other ways to doing it other than just killing off a character that we've developed some sense of goodwill for. Indeed. Now, of course that doesn't happen in Hitman. No, <laughs> no. And the reason why it doesn't happen in Hitman is because this movie never got a fucking sequel. And it if you no watch sequel. this movie, you know why it never got a sequel. And the reason it never got a sequel is because showing my hand a little bit here. It sucks. We don't we have no you know, I would say that it's not offensively bad. Like I said, I would watch it for entertainment if it were on TV and I were sure. flipping. And I was like, oh, that's cool. Because there's some really cool set pieces, and even though they don't make a lot of sense, there's some cool action scenes, though the editor can't decide which style he wants to pick because we we go between some some nice like shots where they back up and let you see the action, and then you get Mm -hmm. some Christopher Nolan Dark Knight trilogy shots where you're like close up and everything's going real fast and you have no idea what's going on. Yeah, that that Michael Um, Bay school of quick editing kind of kind of yeah. Yeah, but I say, I mean, it's entertaining. Like, it's mm-hmm. not a good movie. No. But I was entertained. I only I looked at my phone a few times. I'll admit it. I'm I'm not going to lie to you, Tucker. I, I know I told you this already in the group chat, but I will go ahead and repeat it. Um, I started watching this movie last night, 
and uh, I bored myself to sleep in the first <laughs> half of this movie. I I, yeah. I knocked myself the fuck out and I was like, I don't I woke up and I was like, I don't know where I am. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm going to have to rewatch this. So I rewound about five minutes. I hit pause and I went to bed. And then today after work, I grabbed myself a shot. I grabbed myself a beer and I buckled in and about 20 minutes in. I was drunk and um, <laughs> like you do. Yeah. And about, you know, a minute after I hit play, there were boobs on screen. And after that, I was like, you know what? This is a good time. This is fun. We, we can look at this. Sure. I'm, I'm drunk. This, There's nudity. This is this is OK. Once this girl takes her shirt off, like she's pretty much naked the rest of the movie. Pretty much. Um, which is weird and wild. But I mean, she's not unattractive. Olga Kurlenkov, uh or Kurlenko. Oh, yeah, she, sorry. She's great. She's yeah. She's easy she's, on the eyes. Sure. Absolutely. Um, and I'm sure she's to, also a lovely person. Right. I mean, and she is a <laughs> look, she's she's a good actress as well. Like that's this is not to diminish her talent. She will be in future episode of this pod future episodes of this podcast, I should say. Uh, Oblivion and Vampire Academy. Uh oh, among, we're watching you can make me watch Vampire Academy again. I am I'm absolutely gonna make you watch Vampire Academy. She was also apparently in uh Black Widow. She was apparently the main antagonist in Black Widow. Uh, a thing I really? I did not realize until just now. Um, like Black Widow, Black Widow, like Scarlett yeah. Johansson and yeah. Florence Pugh mm-hmm. and Stranger Things guy. She was also in previous episode of this podcast, The November Man, uh, our least oh. listened to episode <laughs> ever. I, I edited that. I didn't even listen to it. Like Right. <laughs> Did, no, I'm you, sure I, was, I don't remember I was, anything about it. I don't no, know. That was before you were editing for us. That was like our first season. That was like November. That was way, way early. Brett was still oh, editing well, at that point. Then I probably actually haven't listened to it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was going to say, barely anybody has. Um, we're in the very low double digits. Like, I think we, I don't even think we're to 20 downloads on that thing yet. Like, that. that is our least wow, listened to episode ever. Like, people fucking... Just do not care about that movie. Uh, she's also in, uh, she's also the Bond girl in Quantum of Solace. So, uh, which she does just a couple, literally the year after this movie comes out, she's a Bond girl. She is also in future episode of this podcast, Max Payne. Uh, so she does literally two Boy. Hitman video game m- movie adaptations that did not get sequels, but were. Max Payne's a cop. Oh, is it? Okay. Hitman. Okay, yeah. then then two men with guns on opposite sides of the law. Let's say that. There you go. Um, but yeah, speaking of cops, Dogray Scott in this movie, um, the man who would be Wolverine, um, is uh, is is just scotting around this movie. Wait, what's he Wolverine in? He he no, he was originally cast as Wolverine in He Who Must Not Be Named's X Men uh, in oh. two thousand, uh, except. He couldn't get out of Mission Impossible 2, uh, another film where he plays the antagonist. I was going to say that's the only thing I recognize him from is Mission Impossible 2. Right. He that that was the movie he was doing and he couldn't get out of it. Um, like they I'm had glad he didn't because I thought he was great as the bad guy in that. I like that movie a lot. No. It is no, it is good, but I think he had to come back in for reshoots on that one. Oh. Um, I also know him from the movie Ever After, which is uh, was a favorite of my sister's uh, in the late nineties, uh, the Drew Barrymore film um, Ever After, which is what I know him. That was probably the first thing I saw him in. 
Um, sí. But yeah, then he does he does Mission Impossible 2. And then Hugh Jackman uh, gets cast as Wolverine instead and absolutely blows up. Uh, and Dilgray Scott has kind of existed in this really obscure, like he's still working, like he's a working actor, but he's just kind of existed in relative obscurity ever since because he was not able to get, uh, he, he, he didn't end up, wasn't able to, didn't end up being able to play Wolverine. Am I sure I'm not drunk anymore? No, I'm not. Um, but he is, he's in like Taken 3. Um, like he, I believe it's pronounced Taken. Oh, is that it? I think so. Yes, I could be um, wrong. Uh, you might, uh, you might be. I don't know. You might want to double check your work on that one. Uh, but you that's, know, has done in with Liam Neesons. <laughs> yes, okay. all the Liam Neesons. Okay. Yes, every okay. last one of them. <laughs> but I mean, you know, man has man has worked consistently since two thousand. Like he's he's I been like working. Him. He's been doing he's stuff. Fun. But yeah, and look, I think he's he's doing a great job. He might be the best part of this movie. He's got he's got a nice like. His face is very sympathetic. Uh, I mm-hmm. think he plays a good cop in this just because like, I don't know, like just looking at him, you're like, all right, I'm with this guy. Like he's mm-hmm. got some doughy eyes and he seems on the level. Like, right. I don't know. I just think he does a really good job in this movie. I think Timothy Oliphant, like you can't go wrong with him either, though. I, I don't know that his voice was his voice fits the role as much as he would like it to. I feel like he's miscast here, which I think is a problem that Timothy Oliphant faces post Deadwood a lot is that mm-hmm. he gets cast in stuff like this, that he's not particularly well suited for. Um, Because I mean, he's in, he's in Deadwood, right? So he's like this, you know, mm-hmm. you know, stoic square jawed cop type. Uh, this he's is of so course perfect in that show. He's so, he, he is incredible in Deadwood. Um, so I, good. I, but, but that's the thing is he gets a lot of roles off of that. And I mean, before that he's in scream two, he's in go, um, Mickey, like, the freaky Tarantino film student, right? Yes. He's gone in 60 seconds. Like he's, he, he's working and he, the Mark Wahlberg film he was, rock star. Eh, he was great in, uh, the crazies remake. He was really good in that. I thought, Oh, I haven't seen that. Yeah. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you seen no. the original? No, of course I haven't seen the original. Oh, you son of a bitch. The we could probably has... cover both of those on this podcast, though. I or hope did they we do because they're did both. Did the sequel great. get a? Did the remake get a get a sequel no. or not? Uh, if it did, it's direct to video. I don't remember one. Well, if it did, if it does go direct to video, we do count that. But uh, he was really good in. There was something else. What was I thinking of? Oh, he was good in the fourth season of Fargo. He mm. plays a religious cop and like you're not allowed to curse around him and stuff. And it's real okay. Fun. Like, right he's on. real good in that role because he's like he's real charming, but he's also real conservative. So like he's going to ask you to like make certain exceptions in the way you act and the way you talk around him. But he's real sweet about it. Okay. He's a real fun character in that. Right on. Uh, I will point out now the original uh, 19 or the original 1973 crazies and the 2010 remake. Neither of them got sequels. So we could probably cover oh, both on this podcast. I was going to tell you the original crazies has Dr. Logan in it from day of the dead. You know, Dr. Frankenstein. I uh, it's been Richard Liberty is the actor's name. Okay. Been many years since yep. I've seen day of the dead. And I remember 
very Steven, little of it, if I'm being real. How honest. do you not watch it once a week? Tucker, you've it's been trying to get me trilogy. to watch. You've been trying to get me to watch Brick for. <gasps> you watched Brick, Steven? For the entirety oh, of our friendship, and I've literally just watched it this past week. I'm so happy for you. Your life is different now. I mean, in that I've seen a movie that I hadn't seen before. Yes. Yes, it is. You've seen one of the best films of all time. That you have that you have tattooed on your arm there. (laughs) I do. I want to get it filled in, though, because, you know, when he figures it out and he's like, oh, shit, because people think this is an anarchy symbol and it's not. It's a sewer pipe. And it clearly says midnight right underneath it, too. Right. (sighs) I mean, you could have some anarchy at midnight if you wanted. What what do people think? Like at, at at midnight we revolt? Is that what they think that means? Or uh, people think what they usually think around me. They're like, mm, I don't know. Is this guy all right? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you know what? That is a fair question, uh, and one I'm that sure our listeners get. I don't get, <laughs> have asked I don't many get times. beat up. I don't get beat up because of that though. Like I pretty much have immunity because they're like, I don't think you're supposed to hit a guy like that. Like. <laughs> <laughs> am, I supposed to, am I supposed to beat this guy up? I don't think that's okay. Like, you also have that silver tongue. You could probably talk yourself out of just about any situation you find yourself I've in. Got, I... I've got the gift, as as the Fresh Prince uh, once called it, I'm good at shooting the gift, there you which go. is the gift of gab. And that was because back then the Fresh Prince didn't swear. Now he swears on national television right before he bitch slaps Chris Rock. That's okay. I still I still have my Fresh Prince records. You do, we don't need to we don't need to talk about Will Smith in the last couple of years. We just we just talk about him back in the day when he was the Fresh Prince. I mean, one of these days we're gonna have yeah. to cover After Earth. That's gotta happen at some point. No, no, we don't have to do that. No, I mean, we've Steven, also no we've also do that. we've also got Hancock. Um, I wonder oh, if we've I'll got enough for that. Hell yeah. I was gonna, well, I mean, you're you're one of the co-hosts. You're gonna have to cover all this shit at some point, <laughs> unless you just decide to dip out. Unless I'm sick that day. I'm good at scheduling <laughs> when I'm going to be sick. Just saying. <laughs> Look, man, I've had to cover shitty movies on this podcast, too. I know you're making me watch Howard the Duck, and I'm real mad about it. That is a thing that is going to happen in like a couple months. We're going to mm-hmm. I'm going to make you watch Howard the Duck. Oh, I'm counting down the days. Yeah, I bet you are. You probably got it like <laughs> circled on your calendar with like D-Day scribbled across it. It's like get sick this day. Like, <laughs> go to the COVID ward at the hospital that like, lit- day. <laughs> literally, your Google calendar doesn't even have it. Just it just has like a the sick emoji on it. It's just like this is yeah. the day. I'm sick when we yeah. record the Howard the Duck yep. episode. Yep. 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 <laughs> but yeah, that is an episode we will be covering on this podcast before the year is out. Uh, but for now, we're 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 still covering we're still covering Hitman, I think. Talking about Hitman, man. Um, Timmy Elephant, he's in Dreamcatcher, A Man Apart, The Girl Next Door, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, does Deadwood for for three seasons, and after that he is in that movie too. The movie comes out significantly mm. later, but after that, he is like fifteen years. Yeah, he's he's the villain in Live Free or Die Hard, um, which I he, thought he was good in that as well. He's fine. Um, I don't know. Again, I think he's a little miscast in that role. Um, he's not believable going up, going toe to toe with Bruce Willis. Really, um, you don't think so? I don't. I liked I, him in it. I, I watched really that like a, the movie that much, but I like him and I like Justin Long in that movie. Just because and, they're both your, fun to watch. Your boy Kevin Smith in that movie as well. Kevin Smith is fun to watch in that movie too, yes. I, I enjoy him as the warlock. 
at, at the at the time that movie came out, I was a big Kevin Smith fan, and I cheered in the theater. Um, the same year Live Free or Die Hard comes out, he's also in this movie. Um, he's in the film Stop Loss, uh, A Perfect Gateway, um, The Crazies, which you mentioned, Electra Lux. Yeah. Uh, he does uh, a season or two of uh, the show Damages, which I've watched the first couple seasons of and is actually pretty good. Uh, looks like he was in two episodes of The Orifice as well. Yes, I did actually watch both those. He And see, here's the, the zone I think he's actually very funny in. I think he works well as a sitcom actor. Like, he's really good in those couple episodes of The Office. He's in an episode of The League. He's in an episode of Archer. He's actually really good on the Santa Clarita Diet, uh, which is that. a show I'm watching with my girlfriend right now. And it mm-hmm. he's really fun in that show. Like, he's – I think he's – I think he is a vast untapped reservoir of comedic potential. Uh, I think he doesn't get a chance to be funny, and I think he's a very funny actor. And I kind of want to see him do more comedies because I think he's really fucking good at them. Um, like he just plays the, just like the sweetest, dopiest, most unassuming guy who just happens to be very attractive in, in Santa Clarita diet. And it's, it's kind of a performance that I'm, I was not expecting from him, but one that I have just consistently charmed by. So I, that, that's, that's my pitch for this episode. Let Timothy Oliphant do comedy. Uh, I don't think he's really well suited for this kind of a role that for, for an agent 47 kind of a role person. Well, now, uh, I have not seen the Santa Clarita Diet. Um, people say that I should see it. It's been recommended several times. It's pretty but fun. But the bigger question is, should I watch Justified? I have heard Justified is actually really fucking good. I watched like amazingly maybe, good is what I've heard. That's what I've heard. I watched some of the first season, and I really enjoyed what I watched, but I kind of fell off of it because life. Um, last couple of years have been rough. So I, I kind of like wandered off of it and also a a lament that i give to you very frequently uh there's there's too much tv i don't have time to watch all the tv out there so at some point i would like to carve out some time for justified because i have heard it's really good and i mean you got margot martindale in there you got um the girl from Booksmart in there as well not beanie feldstein the other one uh, whose name is completely escaping me right now i think dougie doug is in there at one point like oh really yeah <laughs> oh, walton yeah, goggins man. is in that show i love that guy walton, walton goggins um the guy who made the shield one of like one of my favorite shows of the last 20 years like god that and he's also so really great when he hangs out with danny mcbride too vice principals and righteous gemstones that i i i fucking adore righteous gemstones don't even get me started on right i actually here's you want to hear my hot take for this episode uh sure yeah go ahead a take that'll just burn this episode to the ground i prefer righteous gemstones to succession i haven't seen succession because it seems like it's not funny it's not um (laughs) righteous gemstones is the funny version of succession like succession is very much like boring like like about a like a Rupert Murdoch esque kind of media family, um, and so it's about like the line of succession. Who's going to get? Because mm. the the father played by Brian Cox mm. is like in failing health. I do love me some Brian Cox, but I saw those trailers and it didn't look like something I wanted to watch. Honestly, if you want to see Brian Cox yelling "fuck off" at a bunch of entitled bratty kids that remind you not a little bit or more than a little bit of the Trump Trump children, uh, watch Succession because honestly, is there it's, a supercut of that? Great. Because I just watched the supercut of him doing that. <laughs> but here's the thing: the rest <laughs> of that cast is really good. You got a Culkin in there. Uh, oh, I like all them Culkin boys. You got Alan Ruck in there as well. Jeremy Strong. Ooh, 
Got like, Cameron himself in there. Mm-hmm. When Cameron was in nice. Egypt, let, Egypt land, let my Cameron go. Let Absolutely. My Cameron go. Like it's 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 the cast is absolutely phenomenal. Like it's Wowzers. like it's it's insane how good that cast is. Um, but then but then not only is is Righteous Gemstones the funny the comedy version of that, but again that cast is also really stacked. John Goodman, Danny McBride, Adam Levine, mm-hmm. or not Adam Levine, Adam. Um, what's that? And, what's that kid? The kid uh, from um, Workaholics. Workaholics and and Pitch Perfect. Adam um, Devine is that Adam Devine. That's it. Yes, that Devine. I think that's it. Um, but then you've also got uh, Walt, Walton Goggins, the great Walton Goggins. Like yeah. you got a really great role for Eric Roberts in season two. Like Eric Roberts comes out in season two, and you're like, "Damn, Eric Roberts! I remember when you used to be good, and it looks like you might be good again." Holy shit! Speaking of Eric's in season two, Eric Andre is uh in season two as well he he is and he's very funny and in season he's two great also. like i yeah. love the eric andre show i love it but i really also like seeing him take legitimate acting roles mm-hmm. um yeah. everything that i've seen him in he's great and uh what was mm-hmm. that show with jay burrishell that was really weird um man seeking wo- man seeking woman oh i don't know that i know that show it's a really it's an it's kind of a surreal romantic comedy show okay like in the first episode for example everything is completely normal except he goes on a blind date with a literal troll like out of nowhere he just sits down and there's a troll there and it's normal i mean like a bridge troll like right and weird shit like that just happens out of the blue like the show's just normal and then all of a sudden it'll be like oh hey don't forget this is a really weird show um <laughs> also speaking speaking of the righteous gemstones and the santa clarita diet to kind of bring it back to tim the elephant uh skylar gisando who plays uh gideon gemstone in the righteous gemstones is a mm-hmm. is a a main character in the santa clarita diet so nice yeah uh, it all, and, it all uh, comes back to the santa clarita the previously diet. mentioned vice principles which is kind of the uh, the sister show, if you will, because it's most of the same cast and mm-hmm. the same writers and directors. Um, I definitely recommend that. Right on. So there's, um, I mean, there's some some Timothy Elephant viewing for you and associated shows. Yes. Stuff that's cool, semi-related to Timothy <laughs> Elephant. In particular, one specific role that he had <laughs> in one specific show. Um, <laughs> yes. Or, or two specific shows, I guess I should say, because J- Walton Goggins and Justified and Skylar Gisando and, and Santa Clarita. I mean, it all connects somehow. I'm sure. Uh, well, we got the receipts. We're good. I mean, it's fine. It's fine. Good. Just rewind five minutes and you'll 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 get everything we've been talking about this whole time. Yeah. Um, and this is what happens when Tucker and I host an episode on our own. It's it's tangent after tangent, rabbit hole after rabbit hole. We're just following those little bunny trails all over the fucking place. Unchecked ADHD. It's pretty (laughs) unbridled ADHD is kind of what we're dealing with here. But hey, just on display. I mean, we're a half an hour into this episode and we've barely touched on uh, Hitman. But let's be honest, we don't have a lot to say about this movie. Um, And to prove that we should do the plot in 60 seconds. I was about to to say actually know what happened in this movie, because I know I don't No, Fuck. No, I'm I'm going to if if it if. 
if the coin opts for me, <laughs> then I will absolutely be like summarizing the Wikipedia synopsis on this one because I I'm just gonna give my theories on what was happening in this <laughs> movie because I can't really there's the, nothing solid really. There is just like a gossamer thin plot that ties various set pieces together. That is what this movie is. And occasionally one of those set pieces will borrow a mechanic from the video game, but rarely, but rarely. <laughs> like, I think the scene in the bathroom um, at the restaurant is kind of one of those scenes where he has to um, assassinate someone and take another guy's identity. Like, that's kind of one of those, like, scenes from the video game kind of things. Um, Maybe. But, like, or at least it, based on what Brett told us in the... Uh, oops all video game corner episode dropping tomorrow on the patreon patreon.com slash disenfranchpod um that seems like i recognized that mechanic from that conversation speaking of dropping i dropped the nickel of justice that I no can't it, find that it. is no that is that is the nickel of impartiality my friends oh okay all right the coin of justice is still in a box somewhere. I I just need to like suck it up and like dig through some boxes and find it. Uh, but oh, until quarter. Okay. So now we have Canadian uh, though. So it's like the, the quarter of, of what was the thing you said? Uh, let's, let's do the, the quarter of equity. Eh? I was going to add an EH at the end. Yes. That was... <laughs> right. We, and, we are. And we, let's be, let's be you like, and I... sorry. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. Eh? I think that'll be what it, what what one of us says to the other one when we determine who the coin chooses. Uh, but Tucker will go ahead. So for those of you unfamiliar with what we do on this show, first of all, why are you tuning in for this episode? Not to say we aren't glad to have you, but seriously, why? And if you like this movie, your opinion is valid. That's true. And and look, like what you like, just don't be a dick about it. That's what that's what we like to say around that's here. True. And um that we're gonna we're gonna stand by that and it's okay to like a movie it's okay not to like a movie i just don't want to punch down on a movie like i don't like this movie i think it's bad but if you like it that's great and look there are the set piece in this movie pretty damn cool pretty damn cool there's some pretty there's some pretty cool shit like there's a scene in this movie where a helicopter shoots up a church tower and that's pretty fucking cool it's really rad actually that's pretty awesome Yes. Um, like there, there is some cool shit in this movie. So I, I'm, I'm it's not going to be like a half star review for me, but it not could be much higher than that. Um, spoilers. Um, but, but yeah, it's, it's, it's got some, there, there is some stuff in this movie that we do. Like I do try to find something redeeming in every movie, but some movies are harder to do that than others. See our review of food fight. Um, a movie I still don't think you've engaged with. And honestly, Tucker, you're good. Mm. You don't need I to. I have no intention. Although I think there is probably a part of me that feels like you should just so that you can like experience our trauma so that we can all have that as kind of a shared traumatic moment that we can point to. And I go, feel like it that is be, a thing that we did. It would be the movie that breaks me, though, because I'm always the one who's like, oh, this sucks. But you are. And like, that is that's notoriously fight, your oh. thing. <laughs> we 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 got one of those coming next week like a movie that you are like it rules and a lot of i i, I based on reviews i've seen a lot of people don't feel the same way but i gotta check the calendar to see what the fuck you're talking about what? it it's 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 the fifth week tucker it's it's tucker's choice are you kidding me everybody loves that movie you're crazy i don't think most people have heard of that movie tucker yeah but people who have love it do okay. they yeah 
Well, everybody loves Rupert Everett. <laughs> do they? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, they do. Okay, if you say so. So anyway, the Canadian coin of indifference or whatever you call it, eh? Honestly, I like that better. The the Canadian quarter of indifference, eh? Um <laughs> let's let's go ahead and give that a flip. For oh, let me I haven't even described I haven't even described the, the the fucking point of this segment. So we will uh Tucker will flip the Canadian coin of impartiality or uh, indifference, eh? Um and it will determine which of us We'll be recounting the plot of this film, 2007's Hitman, in 60 seconds or less. The other will give uh, the person reciting the plot a 30 and a 10 second warning. Um, But we'll just get the plot out of the way and and proceed to continuing to talk around this movie. Um, But uh, Tucker, if you'll go ahead and give that coin a flip, I will call it in lay air. Word. Okay, so just so we're clear, the... The side with Queen Elizabeth is heads. Correct. And the side with the moose or elk? The side with the moose is tails. Tails. The moose head is tails, right? All right, here we go. All right, here goes nothing. Tails. (laughs) I've already flipped it. Uh, It is heads. Fuck me me sideways. All right. Um, Well, I guess that's me. Uh, Tucker, was there anything you'd like to say to me? Um... Sorry. There it is. That's that's all I wanted. That's all I wanted. <laughs> uh, so my phone is charging on the other side of the room. So we are going to do this with the second hand on the clock on my wall, the analog clock on my wall. Right on. You let me know when my time starts. I'm going to let you know. Hold up. You got about 10 seconds this is before great podcasting right here. your time starts and it starts right now. Uh, Agent Forty Seven is a uh, is he's a he's a, a hitman for a mysterious organization called the the organization actually, um, and he's a, he's a bald hitman with a, a barcode on his back back of his head. Um, he I don't know he he shoots uh, the new newly elected Russian president, but it's actually not him; it's a double. Uh, so he's not getting paid for that assassination. So he's got to uh, figure out why he didn't actually kill that person. So he kidnaps uh, his that, 30 that seconds. mistress, fuck, who's uh, kind of a Russian lady. I don't know. He kills Kinda, a lot of people, yeah. kills his brother, um, foils the 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 cop who's on his tail, played by Dilgray Scott. Uh, at the end, he eventually assassinates the president and escapes justice uh, and then corners the the Interpol agent played by Dilgray Scott in his house and uh, manages to get away scot-free and kill someone who's after the uh, mistress at the end of the movie and lives to kill another day. And that's your time. And let me tell you, when they did that, you know, they have the wraparound, like it starts out with him and he's like, your house, a good man, know when to kill people, blah, blah, yeah, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And so then, such bullshit. Like, an hour and a half goes by and then they get back to that scene. And all I can think of is Bob Costas and Pootie Tang saying, that was the longest clip I've ever seen. <laughs> I was going to say, you're somehow able to relate everything back to Pootie Tang on one on one level or another. It is universal. It In is. Pootie Tang, we trust. It is. It is your gift, your <laughs> curse, your your ability to relate everything back to Pootie Tang. Uh, Pootie Tang. See, previous episode of this podcast, Pootie Tang, uh, which was, I think, your second appearance on the show. Indeed, yeah. The first was Buckaroo Bonsai. Buckaroo Bonsai, yeah. And then you uh, you appeared on a few more, and eventually we're just like, ah, screw it. Let's just make him a co-host, and that that's what happened. And here I am. And there you are. 
Um, so yeah, unfortunately you'll never hit the five timers club as a guest. So that's, that's the only downside there, but. Oh gosh, you're right. Yeah. Sucks. I don't get the the jacket. No, that's, I mean, there, there are very few that have, that have managed to earn that jacket. So Steve Martin's not going to show up. No, I mean, Steve Martin has nothing to do with our podcast. It'd probably be like Brian Baldwin pops in, you know, (laughs) It'd probably be Candace Brian Virgin and <laughs> Brian Kuyper and Mike Snoonian would be there to give you your jacket. Yay! That that'd be I'd, that'd be I'd who's be okay there. Okay with that? Yeah, I'm into Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Yeah, those guys are great. So yeah, um, 2007's Hitman, a movie that definitely exists and that we definitely watch for this podcast this week. Oof, this yeah. movie, man. Um, let's let's. Start by talking about what we, I mean, we've kind of hit a few things that we liked about this movie. I, I think Dogray Scott's probably the best performance in the film. Some of those set pieces are really great. Um, I, I actually do kind of like the, the restaurant escape sequence where he like kills the dude in the bathroom and then like knocks the other guy out and steals his identity for a little bit. Like that I was actually, cool. that was very, very original mission impossible. Like the first mission impossible movie it was very much made me think of that kind of in a way. And and that's the kind of spy shit that I like, like the stuff where you're actually doing espionage work, which, again, this is not a spy movie, to be clear. Uh, he's kind of a he's a, he's a secret agent kind of character, but this is not a spy movie by any stretch of the imagination. He's a hitman, not a spy. I like I like the little details of this movie, I think, are really fun, like at the beginning when he first goes into his hotel room and he ties that rope around the, the rail on his balcony and he makes mm-hmm. all these preparations just in case. Right. Shit goes down. And then when it goes down, you get to see him properly execute all that shit that he set up. And that's very satisfying. I had a lot of fun with that. I mean, and it's one of those things. And again, that's, that's, that is an instance of good storytelling. There, there aren't a lot in this movie, but that is one no, instance really. of good storytelling where you see something set up and then see it executed later. So you know exactly why that, because the first time you see it, you're like, I don't know what that is. I don't understand what I'm seeing. But then when you see it roll out later, when Interpol is coming after him and he has to escape, the, it, everything falls into place and you know exactly why he's done what he's just done. And it, it works. It fits. It makes sense at that yeah. point. So yeah, it's, it's look, is it a great movie? No, but there, there are spots where you're just like, okay, I, I kind of see it. Um, but again, I think one of the fatal flaws here is that you're not being very true or very faithful to the source material. And I think that's mm. kind of an issue with this movie. Something that, that I did not have a good time with was <clears throat> uh, the guy who played Teabag in Prison Break uh, doing a Russian accent. Like, he Robert sounds Nepper? really stupid. Yeah. And I don't. I don't mean to talk out of school, but uh, I've heard that he's not really the nicest guy in real life either. So that's kind of sullies it as well. I really like him in um, Carnival, a show that Brett and I both really enjoy. I don't know if you've seen. I think we recommended it to you. I have not. I'm I'm I have to watch it because you guys won't let me not watch it. So I'm going to watch it. But I think he was great as Teabag, too. Like he was scary, dude. Like and also like funny and and like fun to watch, but still like. Real scary, man. He's a real scary dude in that show. He he is one of those guys who would just show up randomly on t- on TV shows in the in the early two thousands, uh, and just like be in like a season of TV as the villain. Like that was kind mm-hmm. of the role that he played there for a while. Like he was in, 
Uh, he's in Twin Peaks: The Return. I think I I forgot yeah. he was in Twin Peaks: The Return as the That's brother. I did too until you just mentioned it as the brother of of Jim Belushi, which he's fucking great in. Um, <laughs> but he, I mean, he does Prison Break. He does a a, a season of um, Heroes, the show. I think the last season of Heroes before it it gets kind of unceremoniously nobody uh, watched. Yeah, I did. I watched it in real time. I watched the, the first would. four. I of course I would. I watched the first four <laughs> seasons of that show. And then, like when they brought it back, I was like, you know what? I don't care anymore. Um, but you know, he he just showed up and did a lot. Of t- I think he was the lead in a show about a. I think it was just called Cult. I think I'm remembering that right. There was a show just called Cult. 2013 he Cult. He there plays a character called Billy Grimm. Right, and he, maybe I think also the a character leader. named Roger Reeves. Maybe that's two the, names in that show. The real name of the Billy Grimm character, because Billy Grimm feels he might have an alias. But he's apparently in, it only got one season, it looks like. Yeah, it was not not a popular show. Uh, he was in uh, what would have been an episode of this podcast, but for last year, R.I.P.D. Um, Damn, he was, he was I in like the Percy, that movie too. He was in the movie, the the movie that is the reason we're not covering uh, Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief, Percy Jackson, Sea of Monsters, the sequel to that I'm movie. Good with that. Right. I mean, but he's done, he was the clock king on the uh, WB Arrow. He was in the last couple Hunger Games movies. Like, he... He's the he's just the kind of guy who will just show up and shit. And um and usually he's really good at that kind of thing. Like he he shows up in NCIS and Hawaii 50 and Chicago Fire, Chicago PD. Um, well, to be fair, this is the only thing I've seen in him, him in that I did not like him in, right. honestly. I just I mean, don't think he's good. I think his accent sucks and I just don't think he's right for the role, honestly. And but, but and I think that's I think something this movie does that does cause this movie to suffer is I think there are a lot of actors in this movie that are kind of miscast. Um, Timothy Oliphant, I think, is miscast. I think uh, Robert Nepper, to some degree, is also miscast. Um, uh, Henry Ian Cusick is is I loved him as Desmond on Lost, but what the hell is he doing here? I don't know. Oh no, um, man! Like what's what's he what's he doing in this in this movie? I, I'm not entirely sure. Like again and. Well, I think Dogray Scott is probably the best part of this movie. That's I I don't I, I think he's maybe not. I, I think he probably could have been better. Honestly, I would have liked to see him as Agent 47. Shave his head and put him in the lead role in this movie and, and see what happens. Oh. I think that I'd would be probably that. a little more interesting. Again, the script is doing nobody any favors here. Um, like the script here is is actively not good. Um, the script is a problem. Yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't think the script even knows what's going on in this movie half the time. And this 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 feels like the kind of movie that is like really like a lot of studio meddling happens. Apparently, and I'm looking at the IMDb trivia right now, uh the director Xavier Gens is actually removed from the directing editing position. Uh oh, and boy, that's never it, good. And a month before the movie comes out, uh, Fox orders reshoots and re-edits. Uh, Fox denied it. Timothy Oliphant confirmed it. Um, so yeah, apparently, like some uh, again, this movie kind of any movie that's kind of formless and plotless kind of reeks of studio meddling. And this is definitely one of those movies that kind of reeks of studio meddling. Like you can mm-hmm. absolutely tell that some studio heads were in there going i don't know man we got to make this a franchise we got to make this hit we got to make this work and um whenever that tends to happen it's usually not great agreed 
I mean, there are exceptions to that rule, but I think they are exceptions rather than the redefinition of the rule. Uh, I think Rogue One is probably a decent um, example of that. Like there were reshoots on that movie, but the director was involved in those reshoots. Um, and it so ended up being pretty decent too. Right. So that's less egregious. Uh, like than, of all than, the Star Wars stuff that's come out in the last few years, I think that's the only one that I actually remember really anything about outside of the Ryan Johnson Star Wars. I was going to say, right. I was going to say Last Jedi Erasure, but no, you, you, you recovered there. But no, Last Jedi is phenomenal. Like I love Last Jedi. Um, Agreed. But I would say Rogue One is probably a close second. And then maybe The Force Awakens, like kind of that one, two, three, and then everything else is just kind of meh. Yeah. Um. I, I first first season of Book of Bo- uh, not Book of Boba. First season of Book of Boba sucked. Uh, first season of Mandalorian was pretty solid. I don't know. I have no interest in it, so I didn't watch it. No, that's fine. Um. <laughs> if I, I saw a theory someone uh, posted on TikTok about where season three might head, and I was like, if that's where season three is going, I will return to the show and watch because that sounds really interesting. But when uh, it, yeah. When it comes to the Star War, like I'll watch a movie. Mm-hmm. But I'm not um, I don't care enough about it to watch a whole ass show, no matter how good it is, honestly, like it yep. would. Yeah, it's fine. It would have to be like the cast would have to be full of people that I just can't get enough of. Sure. For me I to mean, watch it. From what I understand, Andor is kind of like that, like Andor is like the one that everyone's like, that's the good one. It's um, Diego Luna's your lead, but you've got Stellan Skarsgård in there. You've got Andy Serkis oh. in there. Like, oh, You've got you've got some talent on screen there. So and it's it's actually um the the showrunner is the director of Rogue One, the the original director oh, nice. of, of Rogue One. So they brought him back and are allowing him to continue to work in the Star Wars universe, which is more than they've done for you know, Ryan Johnson, Phil Lord and Chris Miller, Colin Trevorrow, yeah. any of the other directors that they have rather unceremoniously dismissed. Um so you know, do with that what you will. But yeah, indeed, they'll they'll only let J.J. Abrams fail for some reason. Right. Interesting. Won't let that. anybody else fail. Like, <laughs> here's the thing. J.J. Has J.J. done anything since Rise of Skywalker? Because Rise of Skywalker was a pretty big whiff. That was kind of one of those compromises that left everyone pissed off. Um, before we get into this tangent about J.J. Abrams, let me say that I because oh, we're going to get into this tangent. We're getting into it. Abrams. I am not against jj abrams i think when he hits he hits he just um a lot of times i I think he gets a little overconfident i think once you see his bag of tricks once you know what his bag of tricks consists of everything else just kind of i mean it it, you know exactly where the next thing's gonna head Mm -hmm. because he is uh he is a person he grew up in the amblin era like he uh-huh. Spielberg was clearly his favorite filmmaker and every movie he's made has either been a franchise film, a sequel or yeah, a sequel in a long running franchise or, or something that kicked off a, a, a reboot of a long running franchise in the case of Star Trek or uh, I think, in the case of Super 8, a direct homage to Spielberg and his Amblin 80s Amblin era. <laughs> Like Absolutely. everything he's done is it owes something to somebody else. I don't think the man has any original ideas in his head. I think which is he's a really good. I think he's really good at starting franchises. I think what he did with Star Trek was brilliant. 
Uh, it was good. I liked that first Star amazing. Trek movie. The problem amazing. is that sequel whiffed so fucking hard. Which is a damn shame because you've got Benedict Bandersnatch and uh, fucking you got Peter Weller, man. Your your boy Buckaroo Bonsai himself, Peter you know fucking I don't Weller. Fuck around when Peter Weller is involved, I look. I am aware. I watched um, that man fight a rat for a whole hour and a half the other night, and then I watched yeah. the commentary to it. I love me some Peter Weller. And you've, I don't know how many times you've seen him shoot Kirkwood Smith in the dick, but. God, so many times. <laughs> <laughs> so many times. Uh, you saw him in Sons of Anarchy, right? I have no interest in that show. Uh, but fair. if I did Look, watch it, it would be enough. to see Peter Weller. Honestly, I will tell I you, lo- I love me some Ron Perlman. You know, I like a lot of people in that show. Sure. It's just from the TV spots and the trailers and stuff. It just doesn't seem like something I would enjoy. I get it. I watched it in its entirety, and I, that was kind of another one of those. I got to the end, and I was like, "What? What, what was that? Um, Why have I, I done this? Like, <laughs> Why, what did I do?" And and I can't believe I've done this. They, the I think the only reason I stayed watching it is they kept one of my favorite characters alive until like the third to last episode, and by That's that point, I'm like, you. "There's just a couple more left. I might as well just finish watching this show." But like, they killed off like three of my favorite characters before the end of the second season. I was kind of like, "What the." fuck am i doing and then i'm just like well along as long as 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 mark boone jr is still here i'll keep watching the show and he sticks around until right right before the end and they kill him (laughs) son of a bitch and i i do fucking love me some mark boone jr um love that guy but yeah it was just kind of like as long as mark boone jr is here i'm in good hands and then and then he's gone and i'm like well fuck what am i doing here um but yeah i don't Go ahead. To go, no, I was just gonna say I don't I don't blame you for not wanting to engage with Sons of Anarchy because it's Peter. Yeah, it's I, a whole thing. I, I'm like, go ahead, and then I cut you off again. <laughs> Tucker, that's our dynamic. Look, on this podcast, we have to talk over each other in order to be heard. This is just this is what we do. This is what we we don't have a guest to worry about offending. It's just you and me. Well, what I was gonna say is, um, a lot of people don't really mention this as part of his, uh, you know, filmography or his good performances, but he was amazing as Batman. Uh, he was Batman in the animated version of the dark Knight returns, mm. uh, which is really good. Uh, and Peter Weller is Batman and he's amazing because of course, in the dark Knight returns, Batman's a lot older. Right. So you can imagine Peter Weller's voice and then Peter Weller's voice, recently as it's gotten kind of gravelly and old manish and he's great in that uh i thought he was great in well he's great in everything i'll just say he's great in everything there's too many we'd be here forever if i were going to list off everything he's great in yes you would but look i know i will i will another thing i will say about lunch stands out go ahead jj star trek movies um is i think the fact that into darkness is is so poorly received really hurt star trek beyond which is an actually really fucking great star trek movie and based on that i could have seen them continuing that franchise on for a lot longer but because into darkness was so poorly received it was such a disappointment no one showed up for the third one which was actually really good and well for me beyond is is a great pilot to a series featuring that cast following that continuity like I would watch that show if that were the pilot to it. I'd watch the shit out of that. Love me some Zachary Quinto. I think the cast is amazing. 
R.I.P. Uh, what's his nuts from Anton, the Fright Night remake? Anton Yelchin, yeah. Yeah, dude. Poor Fright guy. Night remake, by the way, did get a sequel, so we will not be able to cover it, which kind of sucks. I own that sequel, and it's just as unconnected as the original sequel. Yep, I believe it. We actually had a guest who wanted to come on, and she's like, can I talk Fright Night? And I was like, got a sequel. I'm sorry. It Hi. did. I wish it didn't, because I'd love to talk about it with you, but it totally did. Um, so we'll, we're fi- we're working on finding something else for her to come on and talk about. But um, but no, that's that's kind of the... But again, I think that's JJ's thing. Like JJ is really good at, at dealing in nostalgia, but when he does sit down to direct something like the force awakens, he has to borrow very heavily from, um, from the original star Wars. When he sits down to direct star Trek, he's very good at like the, the, the trappings of these characters and what they do and changing the situation just enough to make it into something that, it pulls on all the nostalgic strings of the people who liked the original, but still tries to do something that is at least on paper new, even if it's yeah. kind of the same old thing, just repackaged in with a lot more lens flares. But yeah. Agreed. So, I agree with everything you just said. Yeah. Yeah. You just said a whole lot just then. <laughs> we are on the same page. <laughs> uh, and about the movie Hitman as well. Um uh, again, seemingly a very uh, trouble, uh, uh, troubled production. Um, but, uh, y- you know, what, a, what, a, what the fuck are you going to do, man? It's um, and that that's the way these kind of things are. The more these um, the more the studios get involved in these franchise decisions and the more. And again, this this I think this is a year before Iron Man, too. So this is a year before. Mm-hmm. We Hollywood got really, really franchise crazy when IP became the thing. Hollywood has, I guess you could have probably argue, been franchise crazy since the early 70s with Jaws. Mm-hmm. But I think it's become like almost ravenous. You get that that period of time when everyone's trying to set up a, a cinematic universe. Um, and that becomes like real. And that was honestly kind of the impetus for the show is we see everyone kind of trying to set up cinematic universes and we're like, well, there are so many of these that like just wiped out on their first go. This is kind of an, like, that was kind of the initial idea that led to this podcast is how many movies were supposed to get sequels and didn't. I thought I was going to make a list of like 20 movies. Next thing you know, I got four pages, like eight pages, double columns all the way down, like 400. It's not even complete. There's some, we like my, my, I was talking to my friend Jimmy and he was, he was uh, proposing a film for the podcast and I had never heard of it. It's not on the list. So there's plenty of them out there. Like even the ones we're not aware of, which is why we, when we say to write into us with a failed franchise starter, you'd like to see us cover some of them. We've got on the list. Some of them we don't. Sometimes a guest will come to us and say, Hey, did you know blank was supposed to get a sequel? And I'll be like, most of the time my answer is yeah. it's on the list. And then sometimes I'm like, really? And I have to go like research it. And sure enough, there it is. How did I miss that on my first, third, 10th and 21st passes? I don't know, but I did. It is now on the list. It is. It is on the list now. <laughs> when would you like to come on and talk about yeah. it? Friend of the podcast. Absolutely. Like, <clears throat> that's kind of what it turns into. And and I mean, I mentioned him on this episode before. Brian Kuyper is one of those guys who will literally, as soon as he finds out that there's a movie he likes that was supposed to get a sequel, he is in my DMs going, hey, do you know this movie is supposed to get a sequel? When can I come on and talk about it? Uh, he's very good about that. Uh, there is actually one, whenever we get to, I guess whenever Steven Spielberg directs another movie, we'll we'll have him on to talk about uh, 1982's E.T. the Extraterrestrial because 
um, that movie was supposed to get a sequel. And oh, I believe that. Oh, have you heard about what that sequel was supposed to be? No, I just like, how could it not? Like, how could they not want to make a sequel to that movie? Like, it did I, so it so much business. Like, exactly. Well, I mean, that's that's kind of the the story of early Spielberg. And to his credit, up until Jurassic Park: The Lost World, Spielberg had only committed to doing Indiana Jones sequels. That was all he was interested in was Indiana Jones sequels. And then Jurassic Park's where he kind of breaks that, and people argue Jurassic Park two not that good. Eh. It's it's fine. It's better than a lot of other shit out there. But as far as a Steven Spielberg film and as far as comparing to the original Jurassic Park, it's not great. There are two I movies. Still like it. I'll watch there, the shit out of it. There are two creature features that Steven Spielberg directed the first entry in a franchise and every sequel after has just been a huge disappointment. And those movies are Jaws and Jurassic Park. Um, and Jaws is on another level, dude. Like, those sequels it's not are like garbage. Every single one is just straight up bullshit. Jaws is like a perfect 10 out of 10 masterpiece. And then those sequels, it's such a huge drop off. It's not even funny. And even if the original didn't exist to compare those sequels to, they're still fucking garbage movies. Like literally somehow the studio poured millions of dollars into a Z grade bullshit movie. Like I really sequels suck. I really wish Joe Dante had gotten the chance to make his Jaws sequel, Jaws 3, People Zero. Uh, I'd watch the shit out of that. I think that would have been – it was written by a couple of the guys from National Lampoon, and it was supposed to be just a straight-up parody of the previous – and, of course, Dante had already done the quintessential Jaws parody with Piranha. The Piranha, yeah. Which was Steven – like, that that movie is what made Steven Spielberg call him up and go, hey, do you want to direct Gremlins? hell yeah hey do you want to do a segment in twilight zone the movie yes and like maybe dante the best is king dante rules i fucking love joe dante we've covered two joe dante movies on this podcast and we've got at least one more that we could cover um yes. i fucking love joe dante dante forever all hail dante joe dante please direct another movie i want you to so badly so badly joe want joe dante to direct another movie take a small break from trailers from hell and come hang out with your boys on disenfranchised. We'd love to have you. God, I would love to have Joe Dante on this podcast. That I'll see what I could do, Steven. <laughs> that might be like a dream come true. You've got some, some, some big name friends that you could probably call Ugh. in to be on this podcast. I don't know uh, why you would want to, but you could. I don't um, know if I could get a hold of Joe Dante. Like that was, it would take some doing. Here's the thing. You probably know people who know people who know people who know Joe Dante though. So probably maybe because you, you were a part of the convention circuit for a hot minute. So I was. I have. I have met people who have been in his films, uh, and most notably, your boy hung out with Dick Miller for a bit. Oh, R.I.P. Dick Miller, an absolute and his fucking sweet legend. Wife. I don't remember her name, but she was sweet as hell too. Uh, her name was Mrs. Miller. Yes. There you go. And I'm sure she's a fucking delight. Like I, maybe that's the reason Joe Dante isn't directing anymore, is because Dick Miller can't be in his movies, and Dick Miller was you in literally have- every one of his movies can't have a joe dante movie without dick miller i mean you still got robert picardo so you can still have picardo well, in there. that's true you could you could and i did look i do love me some robert picardo robert picardo is in most of his movies but look if you're gonna make a bingo card of joe dante movies dick miller is your free space yeah he's the center yeah <laughs> because right he there. is he's the the only constant in all of dante's movies like all the themes all the actors and dante has a, a pretty large cast of recurring character or recurring actors that come back but dick miller is the constant he's the one that's always there 
So this is true. And and we love to see him every time we do. R.I.P. Dick Miller. What a what a fucking what a fucking guy. Bucket of Bloods, Dick Miller. That's right. The original Little Shop of Horrors is his own Dick Miller. Was he in that one? I believe so. I know Jack Nicholson was. Right. Uh, yes, I, I know that as well. Famously, um, because even though he's in it for like three seconds, his this is the only name on the cover of any box that's selling that movie. Right, because he's the only one that kind of like did anything off that. Yes, he is. Dick Miller is in the original Little Shop. Um, but no, he was the only one from that movie that really made it big after that. And Nicholson was kind of one of those guys who would, who, who did a lot of Corman shit and then like just happened to get cast in some big stuff. And like, he co-wrote the monkeys movie head. Mm-hmm. Like oh, that's yeah. a thing I'm that happens. That. Like sure, yeah. that, that's that like ridiculous. It is absolutely ridiculous. Um, yeah, that movie is, that movie is what happens when you smoke all of the marijuana and then try to write a movie. Uh, that's, that's what that's, that's what, what happens when you go on tour with Jimi Hendrix as your opening act, like the monkeys did, where he famously like got booed off stage because it's teenage girls who want to see the fucking monkeys. Right. Not some psychedelic god. Mm hmm. And then you get like there's that scene in head where the girls they they, they kind of riff on the Beatles where all the girls are chasing them. but They actually get a hold of them and tear them, tear <laughs> yeah, them into pieces. Yes. Frank Zappa in the middle of the fucking desert. Yes. Head is a weird fucking it's movie so amazing though it's a journey it's but you, it's a hell you, of a journey you know what you can say about head that you can't say for a lot of other movies tucker what's head that head is in the criterion collection it is it is i'm not asking i'm just remembering it actually yeah. is wowzers i totally <laughs> forgot about that head is 110 percent in the criterion collection which is did fucking... they do a blab they done a blu-ray i don't think so I, I would be I surprised if they had. I mean, same. I want it real. Give me that in 4K. For sure. It's it's part of a box set, so it's not like packaged with itself. But like, there's like five or six other movies from that studio that are all kind of packaged together. Um, but yeah, wild. Um, Hitman, 2007's Hitman. Fuck, what what are we even doing here, Tucker? <laughs> Who cares? Who, Who cares about Hitman? I mean, look. Yeah, the, this is. <laughs> I, this is another one of those movies similar to the Val Kilmer film, The Saint, see previous episode of this podcast, where you get kind of a um, and honestly, also the November man, you get kind of a character with a lot of guns who is on a mission in and around Russia. Um, I mean, it's it's kind of very similar to both of those movies in that regard. So, I mean, there you go. Like you can kind of draw a straight line there if you really, really wanted to. But yeah, I mean, this mm. movie, this this movie, it's it's not terribly original. It even is it has even somehow less to do with the video games than it does with any of the other things that we've mentioned in this episode. Um, well, and like I said, it's not offensively bad. Like, I no. don't hate watching it, but I'd never go out of my way. to. I'd never be like, hey, let's watch Hitman. The problem is it's completely <laughs> incomprehensible. So anyone that does go to see this movie, first of all, and as Brett mentioned on the Oops All Video Game Corner episode, this is kind of a cult video game series. So this is not even like a super popular video game series that people are going to be like clamoring to get made into a movie. This is kind of one of those movies that comes out and people are like, did you know this was based on a video game? Come by the video game kind of a thing. Well, I think I think uh, it's really a swing and a miss, particularly because I think the video game lends itself to being a film mm-hmm. like how hard is it to make a movie out of that video game it shouldn't be that hard 
Well, in fact, I, it should be really easy, I would think. But I think a big part of the problem is the fact that you've got and, and again, I'm going to I'm going to pull up the game in principle, which is something I always do when we tend to talk about adaptations, like the closer, the truer that an adaptation is to the spirit, not the literal textbook, mm-hmm. but the spirit of its of it, of the original the better the adaptation is. And the, the so you, you're faithful to the spirit of the adaptation. People who enjoy the property, like this is too incomprehensible for people that don't know the original property to really get into. And it's too unlike the source material for people that are into that to really get into. So yeah. this is kind of a... a it a, appeals a, to no one. Who is right, it for? Who is this for? A question we ask ourselves in this podcast constantly. <laughs> Pretty often, yeah. More often than honestly, I ever thought we would. But like, I don't know who the intended audience is. And it's kind of one of those things like, who is this movie for? This movie exists for the studio heads who want to start a new franchise and make a lot of money. And in that regard, it is a failure because it, it's not mm-hmm. able to do those things mm-hmm. at any at any turn and in any respect. And so at the end of the day, what you're left with is this. And it, this yeah. what what this is, is not good. So no. And see, I can respect something that's like ridiculously bad, but like you I said, often it's, do, it's just, it's just, it's whatever. Yeah. It's not good. It's not bad. It's just, eh, mm-hmm. eh who cares? Exactly. Who yeah. fucking cares? <laughs> that, and that's it. That's that's it. A hundred percent. Like the, this, this movie is just kind of a, a, a wet fart in a pool. Like who, yeah. who, who, cares? who cares? I mean, it's, it's there and it's gone. And the only person that really is concerned, I mean, it's, it's kind of one of those like, did you know there was a movie in which Timothy Oliphant plays a bald hitman? And people were like, really? What's that called? Hitman. Hitman. What? What? <laughs> no way. You'd, you'd think I would have heard of it. No, I think you're thinking of the Ryan Reynolds movie, The the Hitman's Bodyguard. No. no. In fact, I am talking about the 2007 film Hitman. And people would be like, I think you're making that up. Like, no, it was based on a video game. There's a video game called Hitman. You are lying. I can see that sounds like something that would be a video game, but you are telling in fact the 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 falsehoods sir um but but no this this movie technically it's on hulu right now if you've gotten this far in the episode and haven't seen it you can it's on hulu why would you want to big damn shrug from me but you absolutely could Mm -hmm. maybe you've got a podcast (laughs) right (laughs) yeah maybe you're also watching it for a podcast and and that's why you're, you're tuning in i don't know I feel like we've uh, spoken uh, uh, as much as we're contractually obligated to about uh, Hitman. So back to head. Um, this no, I, I just want to say I just want to say one more thing about about Hitman. And really, sure. just this is I mean, you can tell how much we did not want to talk about this movie by how much we did not, in fact, talk about this movie. But the the simple truth of the matter is there's not really that much in this movie to talk about. Mm. There are some mm. cool set pieces. There are one or two cool set pieces. But the plot is almost in, completely incomprehensible. Um, I, it the it for for a, much of the movie's runtime, it is boring as shit. Um, There's no chemistry in the cast at all, n- none whatsoever. Like it, this this movie is again, it's just kind of a big shrug. Um, who is it for? We don't know. But uh, again, we got a John Wick movie coming out this weekend, and that's going to be a damn sight better than this. Even if it's the worst John Wick movie, it'll mm-hmm. still be better than this movie. So go see the new John Wick movie. Can I tell you a secret? Please. Well, it's not going to be a secret anymore, I guess, after I tell it here right, on this podcast. I mean, unless you edited it out, which you might do because you're I the... would never. Uh, I've never seen a John Wick. 
they're they're good they're good movies man yeah and you know i think i will probably see some john wicks mm-hmm. at some point but i just i don't know maybe i'm waiting for the hype to die down maybe i'm waiting for the series to close and then i'll, That's I'll fair. check it out you know watch one a week I, I if I time to digest. if I do revisit that franchise, I will have to do it by myself because my my girlfriend refuses to watch those movies because the because mm, the, the whole dog thing, the whole dog thing, the inciting incident is the death of his dog. And that's uh, she she doesn't she doesn't play with animal death in movies. So, yeah. But anyway, so head is available head, yes. um, on Blu-ray from the Criterion Collection as part Hell of yeah. the America Lost and Found the BBS Story Box set. BBS it's going to yeah. It's going to set you back 100 bucks. But check out what you get on Criterion Blu-ray. You get Head. Mhm. You get Easy Rider. Fuck yeah. You get fucking five easy pieces. Like that's okay. worth, the price, worth the price of admission alone. Hell yeah. Uh, drive, he said, a mm-hmm. safe place, the last MF and picture show. Holy shit. Peter Bogdanovich himself. <laughs> yeah, dude. The movie that puts and... him on the fucking mat. Topless Sybil Shepherd in that movie. I'm I'm coming <sighs> off really horny in this episode. I am so sorry. Uh, anybody would with Sybil Shepherd in, in in the right context. Uh but the King of Martin Gar- Marvin Gardens. King of Marvin Gardens, that's that right. Yes. I mean set. and that's like it was what did you six movies seven movies that's less than One, 20 two, bucks three, a picture four, five six seven yep that's less than 20 bucks a picture and that is cheap by criterion standards my friends. and i don't know i'm sure there's there's got to be i mean these have all been released priorly prior in prior releases so i'm sure they have like the special features from the dvd and such uh so it's so it's yeah. regular it's regular 125 um you can get it on the criterion website for 100 or you can wait till either the Barnes and Noble sale or the uh, Criterion website flash sale and get it for half price. Uh, I'm gonna get for, that bitch for fifty bucks next time. It's well, half it, price for sure. It, well, it'll be half off of the one twenty five, so it'll be like sixty something. But still whatever, better than one hundred twenty five dollars. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. You're you like me are one of those people who just has like a list of all of the uh, all the Criterion movies that they want, and whenever one of those sales run, runs around, you just go and pick up as many as your your current bank balance allows. I gotta tell you, I've I've got most of the ones I want. Um, there's still so many on, I want, and they keep coming out with sleeping. new ones that I want too. Well, there's some of them I'm kind of sitting on because I'm waiting for the 4K. Mm-hmm. I know it seems kind of silly, but both, uh, well, Night of the Living Dead 4K actually did come out, I believe. But I own it. Wait, I'm waiting for a Carnival of Souls 4K. Oh yeah. Because I'll yeah. bet that would be real, real mf and cool. I bet it would. I got the, um, I got that. I got the Mulholland Drive 4K. I got the um, Uncut Gems 4K. Uh, the piano. I still haven't on 4K. seen that. I need to see that. Uncut Gems is so good, dude. Um, I really want the, um, ghost world. I want that on 4k cause that has come out on, on criterion. Also every Coen brothers movie. That's not on criterion. I demand it be on criterion in 4k immediately. That, I'm holding out on a lot of David Lynch movies because I am waiting for them to drop on criterion. Uh, in fact, Orson Welles is the trial is probably going to get a 4k release here very soon. And I am, it was apparently playing in Chicago this past week and I fucking missed it because I wasn't paying attention. And literally the day before the last screening, they were like, Hey, two more days to see it. And I'm like, well, fuck. 
So I completely missed it while it was here. And that's that's probably the Orson Welles film I have seen the least. So I would have loved to have caught that on the big screen fully restored. But alas, I did not. I'm going to have to wait until that that drops on Criterion, which I'm assuming will probably happen before the end of the year. But I am, again, Orson Welles and David Lynch are two of my favorite filmmakers. And they're two that I kind of hold out for their Criterion releases before I do anything. And if they come out in a higher format, in a, in a higher quality format, I rebuy them again at that format. Um, like there, there are a handful of, of movies that I've bought multiple times. Um, Mulholland Drive is one. On the Waterfront is another. Um, Citizen Kane is a third. Raging Bull a fourth. Like sometimes you got to buy a movie multiple times, and then you keep the old copy because it's got all those special features, and you want to keep those special features, but still have the new ones as well. So this has been My, uh, the Criterion yeah. Corner. Wait, I'm not done. Before oh. we end the Criterion Corner, my biggest wish list Criterion item that I'm holding out for, because I have a, D- a non-Criterion DVD of this film, but I'm waiting to get the Criterion one for when they hopefully release it in 4K, is Brazil. Oh, I do have Brazil on uh, Criterion DVD. Because I've I've been a, a Monty Python guy for a long, long time. In fact, I was watching old episodes of the show the other night on mm-hmm. Netflix because that's the only place you can watch them anymore, and it really sucks that they don't have individual sketches on YouTube mm. because I don't mind watching a whole episode, but I really just want to watch the Mr. Luxury Yacht sketch. Like, that's all. On repeat like, forever. Well, I just, I, I really just, I was thinking about that sketch, and I was like, I have to remember what episode it's on and go through and like find it in the seasons when i mean i wish i could just go to youtube and be like mr luxury yacht you know right but I, you can't really it, do that nope but give me I some brazil it, because you got terry gilliam directing who is it's a shame fantastic. he's kind of a pos right now like that 90 percent of the time his films are fucking fantastic and yeah that does suck and um, now and then every every now and again you get a zero theorem or a man uh man who killed don quixote and you're like hmm. which is a damn shame because he's been trying to make that movie for years and, I and was, then he I finally mean, so does build up no and one bleh, sees it and everyone who does sees it says uh, it out it's it not bad. great it's yeah. not great and you got adam driver in that bitch that's like come on man jonathan don't fucking that. price like come on don't waste that cast man reuniting with jonathan price after brazil like come on how do you Forget how do you fuck it. that up how do you not stick the landing speaking of brazil you've got jonathan price you've got robert de niro but most importantly you got michael motherfucking palin in there yeah you do which for my money is my favorite python Oh, no yeah, disrespect to any of the others, especially <laughs> R.I.P. Terry Jones. Oh, God, R.I.P. Graham Jones. Chapman. Yes, absolutely. <clears throat> Those are the only two that are dead, right? Yeah. John, John, John is still alive. Eric Idle is still alive. Eric Idle is still alive. Michael, Eric Idle and Michael Palin are probably the best of the living Pythons, and uh, Gilliam and Cleese have kind of gone off the deep end the other way. So, Which is too bad, because I think Cleese is probably, despite... I, I favor other performers over him. I think he is the strongest performer of the entire group. Oh yeah. I fuck fish called Wanda. Hell yes. Sign mm-hmm. me up every day of the week. Another, another Michael Palin joint, but yeah, no, I mean like, and he wrote fish called Wanda and it's, it's really oh. fucking funny. Uh, oh. Kevin Klein winning a, the rare Oscar for a comedic performance in that movie and deserved. Cause he is so fucking funny in that movie, but yeah, it uh, kind of sucks that Cleese has joined the, uh, you can't, you can't make jokes anymore brand of uh old older comedians and 
Meanwhile, Eric Idle's just like, uh, no, you're wrong and fuck you. Uh, which God bless you, Eric Idle. Yeah. Um, we love you, man. Um, every, I, every now and again, I'll come across a TikTok of him singing Always Look on the Bright Side of Life, and it just always makes me happy. I'm just like, you're oh, still man. around. You're still singing that song. God He's bless you, Eric treasure. Idle. I love He's it. He's just a positive boy, and I love him. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, there, there, that is... Let's let's just go ahead and land this plane, man. Let's do the box office and shit, let's man. Because this box motherfucker and shit. cost twenty four million, I believe, to make, and I think it made like what thirteen million. It actually makes almost forty million domestic. It makes another sixty international worldwide box That's office. Actually, bad. Just under a hundred million for a movie like this, though. You it you need to crack a hundred for it to even be worth anything, and it doesn't even do that with the complete worldwide growth. So Mm-mm. this, this is kind of, kind of dead in the water. Honestly, um, it opens on November 21st, 2007. Well, that is the daily chart. Hang on. Uh, let me pull it this opened up. on the 25th. I believe 2007 uh, on November I've, 25th. I've got it on a, I've got it on a Wednesday. That was probably the opening weekend though, but it's, it's a Thanksgiving release is, is what it is. So let me pull up the week weekly box office there. Uh, it Seems opens... like a good movie to take your family to. Sure. Sure. Right. Um, let me actually take the, it says it's been out for two weeks in. Okay. So I've, I've got it actually out on the 16th. Um, like maybe that's that was the... limited and then they did wide a couple that's weeks prob- later. That's my guess. Yeah. Uh, but you've got, uh, it opens at number eight in limited. Re- it, honestly, no, <laughs> it's on 2,400, 2,400 screens. It's opening at eighth. Um, so that's not really that limited a release, honestly. Um, in first place, you've got uh, Robert uh, Bobby Z's Beowulf, Robert Zemeckis's Beowulf uh, in first place. That weird, uh, uh, like right in the middle of his uh, motion capture era um, where you get um, Ray Winstone as Beowulf, which uh, a role that he would only ever be able to be a, only ever be able to play in motion capture. Never saw it. Don't ever care to. It's it's I don't know. It is what it is. I, I went through it's all the movie. I right? went it, it definitely I went through all of Bobby Z's movies the other the other week. So um, or I guess not the other week, uh, a couple years back during the pandemic, during 2020. Uh, that was one yeah, of the, the filmmakers. Other yeah. yeah, right. <laughs> Time is an illusion. Um, yeah, who cares? A.K.A. the fire in which we burn. It's fine. Um, uh, in second place that week, you've got uh, Jerry Seinfeld's B movie. Uh, from DreamWorks and Paramount, um, that movie in three weeks is is already cresting a hundred million dollars. Um, Famous meme B movie, right? <laughs> um, in third place, you've got Ridley Scott's American Gangster. Was that Ridley Scott? If not, I don't if... know. But that was that the one with um, with Denzel Washington. It is Ridley Scott. Yeah, it's uh, Denzel Washington and uh, Russell Crowe. That was pretty fucking good. That's got a uh, homeboy from Eureka is in that movie. Mm-hmm. That's a really good movie. I liked that one. I uh, totally forgot about that. In three weeks, that has made uh, about one hundred and six point five million dollars. In in fourth place, you have Fred Claus um, <laughs> down from three the previous weekend. Right. Um, shit. Exactly. No, that's the right attitude. In fifth place, uh, opening new this week is Enchanted. Um, what if, what if someone was enchanted, uh, actually fun movie. I actually do kind of like, I, I will kind of stand up for enchanted. Never seen it. 
it's 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 uh amy adams is doing some fun stuff in that movie and um, is it something we can cover on the podcast it just got a sequel last oh, a direct to a disney bitch. plus sequel last year um bitch. in sixth place you've got uh rounding out the top 10 you've got in sixth place mr Megorium's wonder emporium in seventh place this I christmas know what the fuck that is it's the, the fuck that is like <laughs> uh in eighth place hitman I, I honestly I don't even know what the fuck that is. And I don't we just, even know what the we fuck just that covered is it. Yeah. Uh in ninth place, up from fifteenth the week before, and its second weekend is No Country for Old Men, which is in in two weeks is only now open on 148 screens. That one is getting ready to go wide. Um and then in tenth place I saw that that Christmas. My dad and I went and saw that when they lived in Florida. We went and saw that at the movie theater and Oh boy, that's good stuff. That movie fucking rips. Um, yeah, it does. Criterion, hello. What whenever you you're ready. Your life? Whenever Come you're on. ready. I mean, again, I'm still waiting for a serious man to drop on Criterion. That's the only reason I've not purchased a, this, a serious man yet, is because I need that on Criterion. You can borrow mine in the meantime if you need to look at it, Steven. <laughs> Throw that up on your voodoo, man. I'll check it out. I, I, they, I, have this, they have this disc to digital program where like, I could spend $3 and. Mm-hmm scan the upc on my blu-ray of that and it would be on my voodoo oh right on i'm i've there are a couple titles that i've been thinking of doing that with because they're available on 4k on voodoo and if you get hd you get 4k for free okay so right on and uh in 10th place dan in real life which drops from five to ten oh that's Um, that pancake movie with the (laughs) Yeah, right. Steve Steve Carell taking a nap on some pancakes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, pancake I, I, I didn't see. I, I think that's got Juliet Binoche in it. Like, yeah, who knows? Who cares? I don't know, man. It's who gives a shit. <laughs> um, uh, the Tomatometer score on this one is a sixteen percent. The critics' consensus: Hitman features the unfortunate combination of excessive violence, incoherent plot, and inane dialogue. Yes, yes, and. Yes, the Metascore totally is a 35 based on generally unfavorable reviews from 22 critics. And uh, the Letterboxd score is a... Oh, your mic's screwing up there, Stephen. What's happening? Something's I, going on. I there had, you go, you're back. I had an ad start playing. Um, let, me okay, take, uh, let me take that said- again. Okay, you were you said the letterbox score is a, and then it was like, I'll take it from, and the letterbox score is no, I like literally, I I moved into um into letterbox and an ad just started playing. Perfect, so to, love that, love that for me. That's great, That's great. especially yeah. with sound, probably full mm-hmm. video taking up half the fucking screen. Love it. All all of my yeah, all the frame rate <laughs> and everything. Yeah, it's great. Um, or I guess bandwidth is the word I'm looking for, not frame rate. What the fuck? I'm, I need to go to bed. Um, and the letterbox score is a 2.4 Tucker out of five stars. How do you rate 2007's Hitman? I'd give it a 2.25. Oh, wow. I'm, I'm giving Just it a because... one and a half. Well, like I said, I don't, I didn't mind it. Like I wasn't like, uh, but I also wasn't like, yay. <laughs> and I recognize it's not good. And I didn't know what was going on. And the dialogue was stupid. And everybody sucks. Mm-hmm. But it's still fun in a few places. You know, 2.25. Yeah. Right. So I pretty much agree with Letterboxd on that one. You do. You do. You're just, you're just under the Letterboxd rating. 
And uh, and yeah, there it is. There is our episode on 2007's Hitman. Aren't you glad you there's tuned our, in for this one, folks? There's our episode on everything but Hitman. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> oh yeah, God, what a what a what a whiff this one was, honestly. And one of these days oh, we, we had fun though. Come on. One of these, so uh, apparently one of the reasons why the director left out the origin for the main character was because he really wanted to explore that more in the sequels. But um, I think he did want to end up going with the clone, the clone route, uh, but he didn't actually end up get to do getting to do that because he, that was something he wanted to do in the sequels. So, well, maybe the reshoots were the whole, uh, montage during the beginning credits maybe maybe that was part of the framing device also feels like it's part of that reshoot kind of thing too like yeah props but yeah uh, again this movie reeks of studio meddling and it's good to have that confirmed because it it real it real real bad but yeah there you go 2007's hitman there it is uh tune in next week when we'll talk about uh so we've decided to do something a little different now that tucker is on the episode and tucker is the kind of guy and I think I've mentioned this before on the podcast who will just like demand that we cover things and demand that they get put on the schedule as soon as possible. So in order to kind of compromise, um, I have uh, instituted a uh, a policy wherein we give any four times a year, there's a month that has five weeks, five Thursdays in a month. And on those fifth Thursdays, we just let Tucker pick the movie. So next week, we've got our very first one of those. So tune in for that. I want to spoil it. Can I spoil it? Can I tell him what it is? It's so good. It's going to take him just that long to watch. Because then it's not special for our patrons. If you want to know what it is right now, go to patreon.com slash pod, and you'll be able to see exactly what we're covering. Other than that, based on the clue that that Tucker gave you earlier in this episode, you can go to our Twitter feed at pod and look for the post with the clues. And see if you can figure out what exactly it is that we're covering next oh, week. Oh, that clue's not fair though, because it's so localized. It's so like if you didn't niche. grow up with Channel Four in Indianapolis, like hey, you don't know what the fuck that is. There is a thing called Google Reverse Image Search that will absolutely help you out a lot in that. So, uh, is it worth the effort though? I'm just that's, saying, it's a, look, uh, that's on them. That is on our I'm listeners. Just saying, this is a film that is not streaming anywhere you can't rent this you can't i'm not entirely this. sure how i'm going to watch it to be honest with oh, you. oh i put it on i i ripped it oh and right I put on. It on my google drive so i'm going to share that with you and Brit. right on thank you sir i thank you in advance yeah. there's no other way that you'd be able to watch it i know is it, try i mean and find a torrent is, of that bitch try i won't i i assure you i will not um, like if I, I, I sometimes i just put that in my back pocket and walk around town knowing i'm the only person who has that I, times. I I don't doubt that <laughs> at all. In point of fact, I don't even know if it is. Um, it's not. There's a physical media release for it. Uh, it's out of print. Anchor Bay, like 2003. $93 print, for dude. that. Yeah. Yeah. Dude, I guess that's I guess that's my kid's college fund there. Right. There is you that, go. <laughs> said DVD. <laughs> Right on. Right Good old on. Anchor Bay, man. I miss those guys. I, I have the Anchor Bay release of Army of Darkness, and you know what? It's it's kind of great. 
the, one of like the 40 releases of army of darkness that anchor bay did yes yeah i have two of those right two on of the fifty thousand that they I, put out yeah i probably have one of those too anyway we're we're just evolving fast anyway um i this <laughs> we're, we're we're the disenfranchised podcast uh, you can find us on all of your social medias at disenfranchpod. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Letterboxd, and Facebook. Uh, you can shoot us an email uh, at disenfranchpod at gmail.com. Let us know what failed franchise starters you would like to hear us cover. And if it's on the list or not, we'll do some research to figure out if it if it actually does fit our criteria. And if it does, we'll throw it on the list if it's not there already. Um, and if it's if it is on the list, we'll try to bump it up so that we can actually uh, you can actually hear us cover it. Um, you can also head over to disin or uh, patreon.com slash disenfranchpod. Again, we've got an episode on uh, Oops All Video Game Corner at the drop-in at the $5 level. Earlier this week at the $5 level, we dropped our episode uh, review of Scream 6, the latest entry in the Scream franchise. Uh, what did all three of us think about it? Well, you'll have to join us at the $5 level to find out. Later this month, we also have a uh, unenfranchised about... What the fuck did we say? It's um, Wes Craven's, Wes Craven's new, nightmare. new Nightmare. That's what it is. Uh, so we'll be covering. I watched that movie two weeks ago and we still haven't recorded that episode. So eh. that's going to be. It lives time. forever in my memory. I've seen it so many times. I will probably need to rewatch it in between now and then because I've watched a lot of movies in between now and then and I've probably forgotten some of it. But that's my Miko Hughes impression. Yeah. From that great. movie. Yeah. What a great, great impression that yeah. everyone listening can Thank see. You. Um, I'm sure they know what I'm doing. I'm sure they don't. Um, <laughs> I am uh, your host, Stephen Foxworthy. You can find me on Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd at Chewy Walrus. You can find uh, our absent co-host, Brett Wright, on Instagram and Letterboxd at Sus underscore Warlock. Tucker, where can we find you? You can find me on Insta. What's that called? YouTube. Hey. <laughs> going to say you're not on you Insta. Can... Well, I am, but I'm not. Um, you can find me on the YouTubes at, uh, youtubes.com slash I snide. Oh, nine. That's yeah. I C E N I N E the number zero and the number nine. And make sure you put the S on the end of YouTubes. Otherwise you'll go yes. to the wrong site. Yeah, that's true. I believe it's the youtubes.com. That tracks. Yeah. Oh my god, I'm so exhausted. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is all she Good wrote. Night, everybody, my friends. Um, yeah, that's all I got. Uh, I'm your host, Stephen Foxworthy, from my co-host Tucker. Until next time, we're giving this one two to the head. It's over. We're done. Good night. I would have said until next time. Who gives a shit? I mean that too. <laughs> pew pew. We're Bye. done.